Welcome to The West Steps. The West Steps is a podcast from the Colorado Children's Campaign that explores issues that impact Colorado kids and families. I'm your host, Beza Thedes. Welcome to the second episode of The West Steps in Season 4. I can't believe it's still Season 4. I might go through the whole season talking about how I can't believe it's season four. But this week we have a full house and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, I think it might be a new one and a first one for the West Steps. So um, we'll start with Sarah. If you can tell us about yourself and maybe uh, a little bit about um, why uh, the West Step is the greatest podcast you've ever listened to. Oh man, where do I start? Um, Well, I'll start with an intro. My name is Sarah Hughes. I'm the Vice President for Research Initiatives at the Colorado Children's Campaign. So one of the resident data nerds on staff and therefore really excited about today's topic. Um, And I'm going to say that The West Steps is one of the best podcasts that I've ever heard because of its host, Beza Tedes. Um, No one can compare. Now I know you lie. Not just butter her up so that she only gives me easy questions all right and we have a nun children's campaign uh guest and i'm gonna let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about um her work hey good afternoon my name is susan wang and i'm a neonatologist i'm a doctor that takes care of uh, sick newborns at children's hospital colorado and at the university of colorado hospital I'm also a health services researcher. So again, I'm also a data nerd, but I focus on the health of birthing individuals and infants and children. And I am very excited to participate in this podcast today because data about birthing individuals, new mothers, babies and families is um, a topic I am very, very passionate about. Um, this podcast guest, this week's guest continues to be a lot of nerds, uh, a lot of data nerds. And I'm going to let our last uh, self-designated nerd introduce herself before we jump into this. Yes, very happy to be joining this group of um, admirable nerds here today. Um, I'm Erin Miller, Vice President of Health Initiatives at the Colorado Children's Campaign. Um, So really try to work on policy that um, protects and strengthens the data sources that we all rely on to um, do good work and then then use the data from those um, sources to inform policy and um, uh, ensure that the things that we're doing are meeting the needs of kids and families in Colorado. I'm very excited for this conversation. So I'm going to start in the most basic place, um, which is why do we care about uh, the data we collect about uh, birthing people and children? Why should we even collect that data? And and how are we collecting that data currently? And this is anybody's game. So jump for it. Without data, you're living in a vacuum. Your perception of the health of birthing individuals, new mothers and babies um, could be based in falsehoods, gestalt, feeling, how your neighbors are doing. But, you know, it's only with accurate, reliable data that we truly understand the health of our perinatal population. Unless you collect it, you don't know how you're doing. 
I think just to build on what Susan said, um, I feel like data are always important and data on new parents and babies are always important, but particularly right now, um, because we know that we're heading into year three soon of a global pandemic and many of the challenges that have always come along with having a new baby um, are exacerbated by the fact that people are isolated from a lot of the resources and the support that normally help people get through that time. Um, and I can say that as a person who had a baby two months into the pandemic back in 2020, um, it felt really difficult to go through that experience, not being able to call on people who could come over and hold your baby so that you can get an hour of sleep um, or being able to see healthcare providers in person was really difficult. And so I think that more than ever right now, data on how new parents and babies are doing are going to be really critical to making sure that um, people aren't just out there floundering without the resources that they need, that we're meeting the needs of new parents and their young kiddos during this time. That's a super important um, and challenging time. So, so how are we how are we currently as a state figuring out how moms and how uh, birthing individuals are doing in this pandemic? And, and before that, how were we? you know, figuring out how people were doing uh, while we're, what avenues did we have to know how people were doing? I think it really depends on the specific population we were interested in looking at. So if we were thinking about our state as a whole, you know, our entire state of birthing individuals in Colorado, you know, we likely rely most on our birth certificate data. We know that every infant that's live born in our state has a birth certificate on it. We have some basic information like the infant birth weight, gestational age and weeks, some demographic information about um, the mom or the dad or others that are involved, some information about whether or not the mom or the baby had some medical complications. Um, I think so. That's probably our first pass. But then we go into more granular data about the actual experience of birthing individuals and new mothers um, and families. And I think for Colorado, there's at a population level, um, two data sources that we rely on. The first is um, what's called the Pregnancy Risk Assessment Monitoring System, that's PRAMS. And so PRAMS is a survey um, that exists in almost every state. It was developed by the CDC, but it's administered by each state health department. And it asks a very long list of questions to a sampled group of new mothers across the state to understand their experiences before, during, during and after pregnancy. You know, PRAMS is interesting in that it is a robust, long-standing perinatal surveillance system, but it just asks those questions at one moment in time. So it's one survey that that mother, new mother receives anywhere from about six weeks to six to nine months after that live birth. So it's really just a snapshot in time. The second surveillance system is newer um, and much more flexible, and that's called Health EMOMS. So unlike PRAMS, which is a survey that's given by mail, so snail mail, believe it or not, or by phone for non-respondents, Health EMOMS is done electronically. Um, and so it's, it's relatively new. That being said, lots of flexibility because it's electronic. You can adapt the questions to whatever is happening at that particular time period. 
Perfect example, COVID. You know, if we wanted to use PRAMS to better understand how new mothers and families were dealing with COVID, it would have taken years to redo that PRAMS survey. Uh, survey. But for healthy moms, we go in, we change the questions, and it's electronically then distributed. And in fact, for our state, it's one of the most robust data sources to understand how moms and families and babies have experienced the COVID pandemic. So the flexibility, the electronic platform um, is terrific. The second thing I would say is that's what we call longitudinal, meaning Perhaps it's just one moment in time. Healthy moms, we're going to give it to you a few months after birth, and then we're going to send you the survey to that same group of women who responded at two months, at six months, at a year. And it continues periodically until that infant is three years of age. And so you get this valuable data that's you know forward-looking, prospective, longitudinal to really have a better understanding about how the experiences of new mothers and families changes over time. And that's a critical piece. So I think in general, our state, we got birth certs, healthy moms, and prams, at least for the birthing population. Um, and Erin, uh, uh, Maybe you could tell us about how these things are, you know, I, I understand that the, the most obvious taking that um, survey data and describing the experience of that population and the challenges that they're facing. How are they, these data points used to inform the policies that then um, advocates like the Children's Campaign work on? Yeah, I, mean, I think it gets back to a lot of the things that folks said at the beginning where like, you can't understand things unless you measure them, unless you're collecting the data. And then you can't design policy solutions that will meet the needs of folks without understanding that. Um, so I think it's, it's, there's lots of examples of things that have come up, but when we think about um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, for example, um, it's the most common complication of pregnancy it's experienced by one in 11 birthing people in Colorado. Um, and, and to, to, you know, to this conversation, like it changes over time, which is why we recommend treating people at different points. Like you, you could get a good night of sleep and, and sort of, you know, feel okay. And like be in that like newborn baby love phase at like two months. And then at six months, like you're just real tired and sort of thought like it would ease up and so that can be a, a harder time and, it, and it's just different for different people and so um so you know we hear we can see in healthy moms when when over time people are more likely to be experiencing those depressive symptoms and then like we have the opportunity to ask these additional questions like okay were you able to access health care that you might have wanted were you able to get behavioral health services um and we can see, you know, only about half of people who who thought they needed them were able to access them. Oftentimes, fewer, especially during the pandemic. And um, and then we can even ask those next questions, like, what was the barrier? Was it that you didn't have childcare, um, which is something that came up because, especially during the pandemic, because a lot of providers stopped letting you, like, you couldn't bring additional people with you. You know, couldn't bring the baby. And so, but like, if you have a baby you know um and so we can really get a chance to understand those barriers and then think about like what are the policy solutions that would help to overcome them yeah um so it's not just understanding where folks are at throughout throughout this uh 
you know, phase of life, but also trying to figure out the best possible solution to help and support them and, and also understand the barriers they're facing. So I think then my next question is that like, how are these um, means of data collection funded? How are they supported? And also what investment has the state been making in the last couple of years uh, to be able to continue to modernize these um, data collection tools, but also to protect them, right? Like, I mean, these things are not self-funding. So uh, how are we investing in them? I'm, I'll take sort of an initial stab <laughs> at that, but I think um, I think it's reflective in many cases of our public health system overall. In that, um, like like Suna was saying, like the the um, the CDC designs PRAMs, but then it's administered at the state level, and so, so oftentimes with something like that, there would be like grant funding, you know, from the CDC, which may not be sufficient to you know cover the full cost of the program um, and then you sort of take funding from different grant streams as it's available um, and prioritize workloads across the public health department um, i think with healthy moms we've seen um, you know i think the state really recognized this lack of data in the space and and so you know worked to get funding sources together you know, use what grant funds are sort of available at the department to fund folks to, to work on the survey and then like would fund it with like other funds as it came up. So one example of those is, is called reversions. And it's when like a different department wouldn't spend all of their money in one year. And so they would be like a little bit of extra and they could like move. So it like over. leftover money? Yeah. Um, like leftover money. And, and it's not a super reliable funding source, right? It's not predictable. It's not reliable. There was, there's also an active philanthropy community uh, in Colorado, and so private funders have funded all, some of this work over time, but it's arguably a function of government, right? The, the data is, is used to inform policies and practices that are going on in government agencies, and so it's arguably exactly what sort of government resources should be used for. And, um, and so I think we're, you know, we have an opportunity this year to um, sort of uh, codify and strengthen this program, this survey program and statute, and make sure that um, it not only continues all of the good work that it's doing, but really give it a chance to sort of, um, uh, I was going to say build back better. I don't know if we joke about that yet, but like, um, <laughs> not, not yet, too soon, too soon. <laughs> but like, uh, grow into sort of a new phase two where, um, we continue this focus on like the birthing experience that where we can look for where racism and other sort of structural issues come up in that, um, where we, and then where we can really like a researcher might say oversample and, and like a community person might just say like sufficiently sample, um, people of color, especially people who experience the greatest birth inequity. So in Colorado, that's our African-American and native American birthing people. So where we can, where we can direct the department, like you must, sample this population enough in order to provide public data about how they're doing. And so whatever size sample you need to actually have enough data that you can share it without, you know, risking privacy um, or, or opening up privacy concerns. And that's how much we need to sample to be able to understand them. So, so just so I'm, um, I can understand this right now, we don't have a dedicated um, state funding for how we collect data. 
uh, it has been kind of a patchwork of some federal funding, some leftover money, and possibly some private donors. Um, and, and what are the risks of funding a program like this? Like, what 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 do you anticipate? And Sarah, you can speak to this about, you know, first of all, you know, my sociology brain goes to the, you know, there's a, the quality of data collection that eventually impacts, right? Like if there's no consistent um, quality control from the beginning that you are constantly compromising the data you're collecting. So what, what is the problem with the current model? Maybe for, for the, some people like me who are always wanting to make sure they're not guessing, but they really are sure. Like, what are the problems? I think, you know, there are many problems with the patchwork approach, but one that is sort of specific to the Healthy Mom survey is that it becomes really hard to sort of plan ahead. Um, so as the others on the podcast mentioned, um, Healthy Moms is a longitudinal survey. It surveys the same sort of group of moms from a couple months after birth until their child's third birthday. Um, but if you're sort of every year scrambling to get the funding that you need together for the next year, that makes it really hard to plan how you're going to retain people in the survey sample and how you're going to be able to keep administering this um, over the years. And so I think uh, that lack of uh, ability to plan is a big problem. And um, sorry, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I think, I think that's right. I think it also it, it creates a ton of administrative work, you know, managing like 20 different funding streams for something is like just administratively sort of burdensome. And, I, and that actually led the department um, to start planning to wind down the survey because they were, they're running into these problems. How are we going to plan three years out? We're, we're doing all of this administrative work to report on little tiny, you know, funding streams that we're getting. Um, and so uh, it creates a lot of risks and it risks the, the program's future. And so I think it's really exciting um, to be able to to put this into statute and say this is something that's important for Colorado and we're going to support it. Like the other data sources, you know, there, we have some data, we have some sustained funding around birth certificates. Like we we collect those over time, um, and we're just sort of trying to say like this survey too is something we're just going to do. We're going to de dedicate funding to it. It's not going to have to like mix and match and pull things together. Yeah, and I think to add to that, just going back to what we we're talking about in the beginning, you know, without a robust data surveillance system, we really don't know if we're making things better or worse. We don't know if the population as a whole is getting better. And even if they are, if we look deeper by race, ethnicity, by degree of rurality, you know, rural, urban, are those differences in equities getting worse over time? And the only way that we can know that is with a robust data surveillance system. And, you know, as you know, we are in the midst of a maternal health crisis in our state and nationally, and that compounded with COVID, I think does provide us an opportunity to think, to be really thoughtful about how we understand what's happening with our birthing population. We know that mental health, substance use, non-accidental trauma, all leading causes of maternal death in our state. And the only way that we can get deep and understand what really, what are driving those numbers is for something like healthy moms that can follow moms over time. We know that in Colorado, maternal mortality doesn't happen shortly after birth. You know, it is spaced equally across that first year of life. 
We don't really know why, you know, what about three months, six months, nine months after you've had a baby? What is happening to our birthing population um, that is leading such extreme mental and physical adverse health outcomes? And so I really, really am passionate about ensuring that a surveillance system like Healthy Moms can continue over time. Because to Sarah's point, yeah, you want to follow this one birthing population over time, but you want to follow multiple populations. If you're going to put programs and policies in place, you got to know that it's making a positive impact. All right. That's, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel I now have no doubts about why we need to change our patchwork of funding data collection. Um, so Aaron, you hinted at this about some opportunities this year. So what, what can we expect this legislative session to really then live out this value of truly making policy based on um, accurate and reliable data instead of guesswork? Yeah, so, you know, we have been focused on this Healthy Moms survey um, because it has it hasn't had a dedicated source of funding because we recognize like there is this maternal mortality, maternal health and well-being crisis in the state and nationally. And this is like a critical population. We have to understand what's happening and we have to understand how it's changing. Um, and so um, good, some good news is that um, the Joint Budget Committee um, did approve some supplemental funding, $50,000 um, to help sort of continue the survey um, and the program from like now until the new the start of the new fiscal year, which starts on January on July, on July one, um, twenty twenty two. So they have you know some funding to sort of keep the program um, up and to to start planning for like how would you build this? How would you build it better? Um, and so then um, we are working on a on a big bill um, called uh, uh, Cover All Coloradans. Um, it was just announced at a press conference. Um, yesterday um, by the Women's Caucus, and um, we've been working on that bill, and we're working to ensure that health e-moms is a critical part of that bill, that like as we're thinking about improving health insurance coverage, improving access to evidence-based care and services, and, all, you know, we're trying, we're, we're doing both things at sort of the same time. We're trying, we're like, our theory of change is that all of these policies, that if we can build these policies and connections of support around families, that it will improve outcomes, and we want to make sure that we can see that, right? We want to make sure that the data is collected so that we can see how these surveys or these services impact the birthing population and, and hopefully improve their experience, narrow inequities. Um, and so we're really focused on, on both pieces. And so there will be an opportunity to really strengthen um, the survey program through that legislation. That's very exciting. So how can people get involved? So there's a legislation that's helping to uh, help prioritize this uh, this program, and um, we now have a bill title. So, how can people get involved? Where where can people go to make sure they are telling the elected officials the importance of this issue? Yes, um, so they can obviously reach out to me. Um, <laughs> love folks just like reaching out, getting engaged. Erin um, at coloradokids.org. Um, and there'll be ongoing sort of an, um, information about the bill in our weekly Kids Flash um, newsletter. There'll be some initial information about the press conference um, this week. And then um, uh, we're, in, we're in what's called drafting. So there's like we're working on getting all the language right uh, uh, in the bill and, and working with departments and trying to get everything set up correctly. And so once the bill's introduced, which will probably be by mid-February, then we'll be able to update regularly 
in our capital updates about where it's going. There'll be hearings. If people want to come testify and talk about the importance of this, like that's that's critical, I think. Um, contacting your own legislator. I mean, like they're texting me right now, right? Like folks just want to know what's going on. How are people doing? How's the pan like how are you doing in the pandemic? How are your kids? Like get in touch with your legislator and just talk about how um what your experience has been like and why it's so important to be measuring the experience of the population. And um yeah, and the work will just be ongoing. Um, well, thank you so much for all of you for making the time and for uh, having this conversation. I think it's uh, one of those where it's kind of the behind the scenes of things that actually make a lot of things possible. Um, so I just want to say thank you for your time. And hopefully once the bill is introduced, we can all get back together again and talk about more a little bit more. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The West Steps. The West Steps is a production of the Colorado Children's Campaign. If you want to support our work, please visit our website at coloradokids.org. And see you next week. Thank you.